Hey Nick, do you know what's special about this rotary year? The fact that the Summer and Winter Olympics are happening in the same year? Ugh, of course this comes back to sports. No, I'm talking about something way more exciting. The 2022 Council on Legislation. Oh, snap. I forgot. When is that happening again? April of 2022. Oh, cool. But like, why is that a big deal? Remember in a previous episode how we talked about how club bylaws make a club unique? Yeah, of course. Well, all the other governance documents are what unites clubs across the globe. And every three years, each district sends a representative to the COL or Council on Legislation to vote on these changes. And you want to know what else is super cool about it? What? It's the Rotarians who get to directly propose the enactments for these changes. Oh, cool. Excited to hear from our guest today about each individual member's role in the COL. This episode is brought to you by the 2022 proposed legislation, which you can access through your MyRotary account. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today on this next episode of All Things Rotary, a CDS podcast. We're excited to have two different guests here with us on this particular episode. I want to introduce Wynn Spiller and Sarah Christensen. I want to give them the opportunity to tell us who they are and how they're involved with Rotary. So Sarah, do you mind kicking us off? Sure. Um, My name is Sarah Christensen and I am the Council Services Supervisor. Um, I've been working with the council since about 2013, and this will be my fourth council that I've been helping to manage. As the council services supervisor, um, I help manage the legislative side of the council. So so thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, happy happy you're here. Thanks for joining us. And next, we also have Wynn Spiller. Oh, delighted to be here. Thank you. Yes, Wynn Spiller, and I am very honored to be serving as the COL trainer this year for the 2022 Council. I have been um, an alternate, a representative, and also served as the chair of our district's nominating committee for for the next COL representative. Perfect. So for all of our many listeners, they know that this podcast is really a club and district support podcast, right? CDS, all things Rotary, a CDS podcast. And one of our main uh, jobs as a club and district support officer is to deal with policy and to answer questions with policy. And the way I like to describe it is it could be something as simple as changing your name and what's the name policy all the way to some you know, more extreme situations, even involving situations with harassment. What's the policy with that, right? And everything in between. And we're really excited about this particular episode because we get to talk about where the policy came from. And that's something that we don't always know where it came from. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there as to where, you know, how it originated, who had a part in that. Um, we oftentimes get blamed for you know, creating such policy. And so we're really excited to kind of explain exactly how that happened. And most of it comes from the COL. So let's just start from the beginning. 
what is the COL? And any either of you can jump on in. What is the COL? What is the council legislation? What 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 even is this? Um, the Council on Legislation, or COL for short, is essentially Rotary's parliament. So this is the way that Rotary goes about changing its constitutional documents. So it is the RI Constitution, RI Bylaws, and the Club Constitution. Um, part of this process is to make updates to the constitutional documents. In addition to the COL, we have the Council on Resolutions, which our COL representatives also participate in. The resolutions are a way for clubs and districts and the board to suggest changes to the RI board or to the TRF trustees of how they could do some changes that are not necessarily related to the constitutional documents. Um, and that is how I kind of describe the Council on Legislation, because I am coming at it more from a legislative side. I don't know when, if you have a little bit of a different description coming from the representative side. Uh, no, it's a really extraordinary um, opportunity that we all have as Rotarians to have a voice in the governance of our organization. And it's one that I would certainly encourage all of us to take advantage of because the way that the constitutional documents are changed at the COL is through creating enactments, proposing enactments that are then presented to the council. And the council, as you probably know, meets every three years to deliberate and, and vote on these proposed changes with representatives from every district in the world of Rotary. So it's um, an exciting opportunity that we all should take advantage of. Right, perfect. Well, thanks so much for that, that explanation. Um, I think, like we said, it, it's it's really helpful to know where all of this comes from, where the policy comes from and how it, how it's actually made. And something that when you said that is just so fascinating is, you know, it, it, there's representatives from every single district in the world, right? Yep. I know for me, it's one of the exciting parts of my job is that I can be communicating with someone from India in the morning and somebody in the US and then somebody in Indonesia at any point of the day. And I just, I love that internationalness of the council and how we really have a wide variety of people involved. And how, uh, how do, I, I, I mean, how, how, does, how does that individual get selected? Like how does the district representative actually become the district representative? Well, uh, first of all, it's um, really nice to consider the fact that every district in the world selects a representative and an alternate, just in case the representative isn't able to serve. To be selected, you have to be a member of the club in the district. You need to have served a full term as district governor at the time of the election and then be able to attend not only the mandatory training, but to attend the council for its full duration. Interestingly, there is a proposed enactment coming to the 2022 council that adds, potentially adds one Rotaractor representative per zone um, to the council. The process is done by either nominating committee, similar to the nominating committee selecting district governors, or 
representatives may be elected at the district conference or through a club ballot process. Representatives serve for three years. So the representatives for the 2022 council were selected by June 30th of 2020, and their term goes from July 1st of 20 to June 30th of 2023. So the year preceding the council, the year of the council, and then the year following the council. Nice. And, and I kind of like liken this a little bit to like local government, right? Like or, or federal government here in the States, for example, like you have your senators and you elect your senators and your senators go to Congress and they kind of, they work uh, based on, on their constituents and what their constituents want, right? And if their constituents aren't happy, then they vote them out of office, essentially. And, and so how does a district representative ensure that they're doing everything based on the wills of, I guess we can call them their constituents, but, you know, the, the, the Rotarians within the district? Well, it's very interesting because I think that each representative does have a responsibility to have a sense of their constituents. But... Actually, the decisions should be made at the council after listening to all of the debate and points of view. It's one of the great strengths of our organization that we do have this internationality and diversity of views. And when you're considering um, enactments at the council, you have to remember you are making a decision for the entire world of Rotary not necessarily just what you think might benefit your own district or club. Um, you, you need to be thinking globally about how it will impact and is it impo an important change for the world of Rotary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we oftentimes talk about the different constitutional documents um, being, you know, the recommended Rotary Club bylaws, the standard Rotary Club constitution, the Rotary International bylaws and the code of policies. And, and, and oftentimes in our position in club and district support, we get asked, well, you know, do I have to follow the standard Rotary Club constitution? And we have to explain that, yeah, it's a standard for everyone in the entire world. So every single club, whether you're in Malaysia, whether you're in, you know, a club in Africa continent, or if you're in Australia or here in North American continent, like these are, it is. And so you're right. You're not just making policy for one region or one district, but this is the policy for the entire world. And, um, could you explain a little bit more about the enactment process, like how that actually goes in? How, like, where does it start? How does it kind of end up becoming policy? Well, it begins first and foremost with Rotarians thinking about changes they might like to see. So that is the beginning. And at the club level, um, a Rotarian may have a proposal each proposal has to include a statement of purpose and effect and describe an issue and how the proposed legislation would address that issue. That goes to the club's board of directors. And if they, um, they submit it to all of the club members for adoption at a regular club meeting. And if it is adopted by the club, then it is forwarded to the district 
with a letter signed by the president and the secretary certifying that the club has adopted this. And then the clubs in the district have to endorse the proposed legislation. And that can happen during a district conference or a special um, resolutions meeting or a ballot by mail. And if the district by those votes endorses it, then the district governor submits that through an online process by December 31st, a couple of years ahead of the next council and um, verifies that in fact, the district does endorse this uh, proposed enactment. Yep, and that's kind of where my team takes over from there is that we received the legislation. Um, the deadline for the 22 council was December 31st of 2020. And so just this past December, and once we have the enactment, um, we go through it, we make sure that everything is duly proposed so that it has a proposer, um, its purpose and effect statement is under the word limit, um, and that it's been endorsed by the district and submitted with by the deadline. So once we've determined that it's duly proposed, we're able to move forward with it, draft up the enactment, and then we send it over to the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. And the Constitution and Bylaws Committee reviews all enactments on behalf of the board and determines whether the enactment is regular or defective. Um, and enactments have a variety of defective reasons. One is if, um, let's see, if it's illegal. So if somebody <laughs> is suggesting a... Um, I think the one example I use is if they're suggesting an age restriction on Rotarians that you can't be over 70 and be a Rotarian. And so and in, in some countries, an age restriction is going to not be legal. Um, other reasons that could be defective would be if it's subject to two or more meetings. So basically meaning that an enactment, it's not very clear what they're saying. And so often we'll ask for clarification um, or if it's impossible to administer or, or enforce, that tends to be one of our more defective reasons. So that it's just either the timeline for implementing the enactment is much too short or what they're requesting just really is impossible that we just don't have the structure within Rotary to be able to implement something, or they're asking for something that's kind of out of the hands of Rotary International. Maybe it's something, a requirement at a club or district level. Um, and so the Constitution and Bylaws Committee goes through and reviews all of the enactments and determines which ones are regular, which ones are defective. The defective ones do typically have an opportunity to fix them. Um, they usually get at least one round of, here's what was wrong, let us know how you want to fix it, and we can review it again. And there's usually one or two rounds of that, depending on time. And then all of the regular items of all the regular enactments then get approved by the board and then are published to our representatives. In fact, we just... Last week, we sent out our book of legislation to all our representatives, alternates, and governors. And so everybody should have the current enactments. Nice. So, yep. And who, who makes part of uh, this committee? Um, so it is an RI committee 
that the RI president appoints a member each year, and then the committee members typically have a three-year term. So this year we have past director Anne Britt Absol. I'm sorry, I always pronounce her name last name wrong, but she's from Sweden. Um, and then also we have Duncan Conrad from Canada, um, Peter King from the UK, and then Jennifer Scott, who's from Australia. And so just every year we have a new committee member. And then actually in the year of the council that we're in right now, um, the committee member that would have normally rotated off actually stays on for an extra year. So we get Duncan for an extra year this year. Um, so we have four members instead of three. But, nice. but yep, and they are just typically people that either the president sees as good in a legal sense or somebody who has kind of stood out to us or stood out to the president at, as somebody who's knowledgeable in the council and can have a really good review of items. So. Very cool. And, and I mean, that, that is fascinating to hear that kind of step-by-step -step process, right? Of like where it starts and how it actually ends up at the council and legislation. Is there a limit as to how many enactments can be proposed, um, whether by a district or in general? Because I mean, if everything were to get there, COL could be a, a, a marathon event, right? You ha I'm, I'm assuming there has to be some sort of uh, restrictions beyond just defective or not. Yeah, so there is a five enactment limit per district. And the good news is most districts don't meet that limit. Um, most districts submit one or two items at most. Uh, but every now and then we'll have an extra um, a district that submits five. If they submit six, we tell them to withdraw one. Got it. Um, but just as this year for the council, we had about 146 enactments that we received um, and through merging items that are very similar items that we kind of merged together. And then also finding some items defective, we were able to get down to 92 items that'll actually go forward to the council. But we have had year, there was one year, I think 2001, there were like four to 600 enactments. And I am very thankful I did not work here at that point. <laughs> and so, because 146 is more than enough for me. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, and, and to kind of paint a picture for those, I mean, like we mentioned, one district representative from all over the world, every single district, over 500 districts shows up. Um, I was lucky enough to be part of working at the COL in 2019 and was able to kind of witness what it looked like. And for, you know, the multitude of people that don't get that opportunity, do you mind kind of explaining what that the actual COL looks like? I mean, how is the debating happened? Um, is it just kind of like, because I think in my mind, without knowing firsthand, it could it could go in many different places as to how this actually looks. <laughs> Well, it's quite exciting. Obviously, a very large room with places uh, for all of the representatives, the board, and other members of the council group. And it moves along very orderly. In the enactments are all numbered, and they move in order with few exceptions. Things can be moved um, for need, but generally they move in order. And the uh, representative from the district that is proposing that enactment 
comes to the floor and makes what's called an opening statement. And that opening statement is um, links are decided at the council before the council really begins. They decide on the time limits for things. So generally three or four minutes, something like that for the opening statement. And then representatives have the opportunity to get up from their seats and go to one of the floor mics that are in the room. And they are carrying uh, cards. So green card if they are speaking in favor, a red card if they're speaking against, and they are called on by the chair to, and usually going back and forth between pro and con, and that is how the debate occurs. Amendments can be suggested, and there's a process for that as well. Also for asking procedural questions that are answered by the, the Constitution and Bylaws Committee usually. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting and very exciting. There is simultaneous translation of all the languages of Rotary, large bank of interpreters along one side of the room. So every, so we all learn to speak slowly and clearly and give time for translation because in addition to the languages of Rotary with the translation, there are many in the room um, for whom that is not their first language. So we uh, take time to, to allow people to process what they're hearing. Nice. And when you've had a, a, an interesting experience because you've been able to be a representative, correct? Yes. And now you're a trainer. Yes. Um, could you explain a little bit about like the, your, the differences and experiences and kind of how that's played out for you? Yeah, so I um, was able to be a representative actually for the 2016 council, which at the time was considered to be fairly progressive. A lot of things happened there that contributed to flexibility, um, changing our requirements for membership. The Council on Resolutions was created at that time because prior to that, resolutions and enactments all came before the council every three years. And resolutions, as Sarah said, are really recommendations asking the board or the trustees to consider doing something. And it was felt that for those, it would be more efficient and effective and timely if those could come annually. So every fall, we have the Council on Resolutions where, again, clubs and districts kind of will have proposed those and they are considered in an online format, but it allows those things to be taken care of in a very timely manner, leaving the enactments, which change the constitutional documents for the time that the council is actually meeting. So, um, that was that was an exciting uh, council to be part of, and I enjoyed that very much. In this role, which I'm also enjoying very much, I am working with the lead trainers for each of the zone insti rotary institutes around the world. So representatives have mandatory training and we certainly recommend that alternate. So you have a, a representative and an alternate is also selected. 
so that if the representative is not able to serve, the alternate can step into that role. So there is mandatory training. Some of it is online right now through the Learning Center. And then there is a mandatory training that takes place as part of the Rotary Institutes, which are convened around the world by uh, directors and their paired, usually their paired zones. Each of those folks select a lead trainer for that mandatory training. And those are the people that Sarah and I work with um, supporting their training. We have um, a suggested training and leader's guide and timing and materials and so forth. So we provide that to them and then they have their training team and they actually put on that training as part of their institute, either in person or this year, several of them are virtual. Sounds like a, a complicated process, but you know, it required to, to really have this run successfully. You know, a lot of work goes into it. And, and it's like we mentioned with so many different people coming from different regions and making sure that the policy works for every single club and district all across the world. It definitely, it, it, it's pretty impressive how that can all happen. That's one of the things that I love about Rotary and that I always talk to Rotarians about is like, this is really a volunteer run organization and, and, and it's created, you know, down to the policy for those listening um, that maybe, you know, aren't a district representative or they're not even a district officer and maybe they're new to Rotary and, you know, they're just a, a brand new member of a club, but they want their voice heard. What kind of recommendations do you, either of you have for somebody like that? So, you know, maybe they have a great idea or they feel underrepresented and they want to, 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 you know, improve the policy that exists for them and others. What, what, what kind of recommendations do you have? Uh, the person for them to talk to is their district's representative. So that person is going to be serving for three years. Um, and they are the folks who can help the person create, potentially create an enactment. So how to put it together, how to package it, what needs to happen to it for it to move forward in their club and in their district. So that is the, the most important person to connect with if you do have an idea, because part of the role of the representatives is in fact to support Rotarians in their district in terms of um, creating proposals, also taking a look at the ones that are proposed by the district and understanding them and potentially endorsing them. So the representative has a broader role than simply being at the council during those three years. The other thing I probably should have added to the training piece is that our role in these trainings is to ensure that the representatives really understand the process of the council when they arrive. Um, we can help them practice their opening and closing statements, um, talk to them about strategies at the council itself, 
and just be sure they're really prepared to participate effectively once they get there. Because this year, as is often the case, 75% of the representatives are attending their first council. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like reaching out, finding that district representative is the best way possible to kind of get the ball rolling and really take initiative if you see anything um, that you want to make uh, make happen or have a, have a policy change, which I think is fantastic. To kind of wrap up here, though, I'd love to just get both of your last opinions. Um, why should somebody care about the COL? I mean, for me, I think it's the COL is just such a unique format of working with an organization's governance documents to me that it's very much something of you as just a general Rotarian could make a suggestion that will change the RI constitution. And not a lot of organizations have that almost a democratic feel to them. A lot of them, it's very much coming down from your RI or from your board to make decisions of where your governance goes. But then that's why I like the council is that it's very much like anyone can make a suggestion and you just need to work it up the chain and it can actually get adopted eventually. And so I think that's why just a general Rotarian should care about it. Um, but also because these enactments do impact how your club is run, how the district is run, how RI is run. And it's important to know those things that once you know how the process is supposed to work, you can work better within that process. And I completely agree. It is, as I said earlier, a really unique and special opportunity that we have to have a say in the governance of our organization, Rotary International. Um, And as Sarah said, it is unique among organizations, I think. And it's Um, a special opportunity to take advantage of. Yeah, I think it's so rare and unique, like just to echo what both of you have said, that somebody can join Rotary tomorrow and, or, you know, one day and and the very next day be working on an enactment to, you know, change the course of an entire organization. um, If it's, you know, works its way up the chain and is passed and everything like that, which is, really unique and awesome that that they that we can do that and we give that opportunity so thank you both so much for joining i think more than anything having both sarah and when you 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 both here on this episode is just a great example of how our rotary international staff works with the volunteers and the collaboration that happens and that something like the council on legislation wouldn't be possible if it was just the staff or it wouldn't be possible if it was just the volunteers like it really takes an entire team effort to, to, to do something like this and to make an organization run. So thank you both so much for joining today. Thank you for having thank us. You. Thank you.